Welcome to the Celtics Pride Podcast on Celtics Blog. We are your Celtics Pride crew. I am Adam Motenko here with my twin brother Josh Motenko. Yo, what's up guys? Draft night. Draft night. And Mike Minkoff. What's up, Mike? I am deeply disappointed in uh, <laughs> the lack of trades of, of this draft. Complete letdown. Well, you, you thought all the rumors were going to come true, huh? Not all of them. I thought something. I thought there was going to be... I, I didn't even need it to be a Celtics trade. I thought there was going to be like something interesting. There was nothing. What happened? Nothing. It was basically like reading a mock draft. Yeah, the draft just ended. We're, we're trying to pod and get this out as quickly as possible. Immediate reaction, instant reaction, as we like to do here on the Celtics Pride podcast. So first things first here, uh, no Hayward movement yet. What do you guys think is happening here? Mike, go ahead. Um, I, gosh, give us, I have give no us your idea. Per, no, give us your percentages. Your percentages are right on. I no, those were those weren't mine. Those were Adam's percentages. Uh, but uh, we we had a text. Adam, you, you go ahead, Adam. With I, your I was. Percentages. I mean, I was com- coming into tonight. I was thinking Hayward is gone. This is like the 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 shift of his deadline to opt in to after the draft is clearly a sign that they are trying to sign and trade him, and they're just working with him to try and get him to a good spot. Uh, Danny's got something up his sleeve here. And maybe he still does, but but I really thought it was like ten to fifteen percent chance he stays. And uh, there was a little scuttlebutt that uh, maybe those chances were improving. At this point, I think maybe it's twenty-five to thirty. I, I still think it's likely that he leaves, but but it's just I'm confused. I mean, I think the story tonight is not the draft picks we took, but the fact that we still haven't don't have any new information on on what's happening with Hayward uh, in this crazy offseason. Yeah, I my gut is increasingly that Hayward is going to be gone. I think we're not going to trade him for anything more than a trade player exception. Um, I, it it seems like if he wanted to be here, that would have been worked out by now. He he's clearly looking for other options. Um, I don't. I mean, I, I guess the real question is, it's like the fact that the whole Atlanta thing came up to me means it's probably not likely and was always a smoke screen. Right. So I guess, I guess the real question now is if anything from this draft night has moved the needle and made a deal with, you know, pres- presumably it's someone like Indy that would be a sign in trade candidate. That, that means there's something that can work between the teams. Um, well, why can't we do an Oladipo trade still? I mean, that's the guy that they can't trade for our guy that we can't trade. I Presumably, the valuation is not is not in line. I don't know if the Celtics don't want him. I don't know if Indiana thinks that's not a fair trade. Um, but if it was that simple, they would have done it already, right? Like I, I don't know what I don't know what they're looking at. Obviously, none of us do. But well, enough doom um, and gloom because it could just be you know a stare down between Mark Bartlestein and Danny Ainge, and that's yeah. playing out. And as, it could have nothing to do with Hayward not wanting to be in Boston. Although we're, it's pretty clear that the fans were too harsh to his wife on social media and that that is playing into, uh, or, or maybe his wallet getting stolen from the locker room. You guys heard about that one, right? I mean, sure. There's lots of rumors and, and, and stuff. Some guy showed like a dry cleaning receipt or whatever he had on his Twitter picture. Um, no, I, yeah. Who, who knows? I don't think Hayward is like screaming to get out of here, but I, I just think if he really wanted to be here, he would have opted in. Um, I think he, I think 
Adam, your percentage is really right. It, it went from like a 10% likelihood to him sticking around to like 25%. So it's more possible. Uh, but my gut is leaning in the same way, which is that it's more likely than not that he'll he'll still not be a Celtic. Well, let's but, take the information that we have to work with. The Celtics drafted tonight at number 14, Aaron Neesmith. At number 26, Peyton Pritchard. And they have just sent the number 30 pick, apparently, according to Keith Smith, with Vincent Poirier to the Utah Jazz for a future first-round pick. Uh, we'll, we'll update that as we get more information. Um, Josh, uh, Aaron Neesmith was apparently the best shooter in the draft. What do you think about this pick? I mean, the guy shot 53% from three, 52%. Anytime you're shooting above 40%, you're an elite shooter. Anytime you're shooting like 42 to 44%, I mean, that's like the percentage that Steph Curry shoots, you know. And this guy, he shot over 50%. Now, I've got experience with this. I coached a player who shot 54% from three throughout the season. And it was like, it was amazing all season long as a freshman at, at a junior college. His sophomore year, you know, he regressed back to the mean. He only shot 42, 43%, you know, still an elite shooter. But, I mean, when guys are shooting fifty over 50%, it's just unreal. And Neesmith, I think Celtics fans are going to love Neesmith. He's big and strong, 6'6", six, six, what is he, 220. He, he can play the three, he can play a little bit of four because he's not afraid of contact. He's a really good screener. He's really good at the pick and pop, but he can also you know just relocate around the three-point line or run off screens. Um, he's not the quickest guy, but he just plays real solid. Uh, he's really high intellect and fits kind of that Jalen Brown mold that Danny has been trying to add to the team more in the last couple of years. And I, I think he's going to be, he's going to win Celtics fans over. I'm sure of it um, because he's just multi-positional and, and, you know, I wouldn't say he's like super tough, but he's not afraid of contact at all and plays the game the right way. And, and he's, he, I think he's going to have some Celtic pride. I think we're going to like him. I'll, like I'll, if I, yeah, look, if he hits threes at like 38 to 42%, I'm in like, <laughs> and he's not just like a total zero on defense. And by all accounts, he's, he's solid, probably not spectacular, but has like average to above average potential on, on the defensive end. And we'll try. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, and he's six, 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 eight, you know, wingspan, I think. So, so he's, you know, 10. he's got a good build Oh, six, 10 wingspan. So he's got a good build. Um, he, he's got, you know, multi, multi-positional versatility on the defensive end potential at least. So, yeah, I'm in on it. I mean, there were some rumors earlier in the day about his, uh, having a, a foot injury, um, and that hurting his stock or like his foot injury from January taking too long to heal. Yeah. Um, but I didn't see anything about that or hear anything about that once he was taken. So it may have just been, you know, rumor mongering to get him to slide in the draft. Who knows? Um, do you I'm know fine what the with the pick. I do you know what the... I don't, Josh. Do you? No, I don't I, I, it was it was just something like he had a foot injury in January that was allegedly taking longer to heal than one would have preferred. But again, it could have just been people messing with you know one team messing with another team. Who knows? Neesmith is a a phenomenal shooter. His he. He was by far the best shooter in college basketball, but that injury cut his season short. So these amazing percentages you're hearing are a pretty small sample size. He was a sophomore, and he did not shoot as well, if I recall, his freshman year. I don't know if you guys have any of that in front of you. but um, No, he's a, he's a freshman. 
Is he? I thought he was a sophomore. No, he had two college seasons. He had, yeah, he's a sophomore uh, at Vanderbilt. Uh, Jerry Stackhouse was his coach this past year, and there was a great article that uh, Sean Grandy tweeted out after he was picked where Stackhouse is talking about watching him shoot uh, like 100 shots from five different spots in practice and that Neesmith is like a, a 90% shooter on these shots. And he's like, that's, he said, that is a, um, oh, of course, I, I feel like I do this every podcast where I go, wait, what's his name? Uh, Allen Houston level shooting. And Stackhouse was like, I'm an 80% on that, on those shots. This guy can really shoot the ball. Um, so, I mean, I, I think Josh, you wanted uh, shooting. That was the, the big thing yep. that you wanted from this draft. It was sort of an, an atypical Danny Ainge pick in that he's not this uber athletic uh guy who still needs to learn to shoot who was a top um high school prospect neesmith was i want to say like 70 to 100 coming out of high school um so a little different than the way that danny Ainge normally goes yeah i mean and i think playing for stackhouse is not something to be overlooked you know not the fact that he's a former nba guy but Jerry Stackhouse is a tough, tough dude. He's a tough coach. Yeah. He expects a lot out of his players. I was listening to Fred Van Vliet talk about uh, in a podcast recently how when he first got to the Raptors, he was super excited, you know, but they were sending him down to the G League team and his first trip down, he was thinking that he was just going to get his shot off and be able to do what he wanted. But his head coach was Jerry Stackhouse with the Raptors 905 and and he said that, you know, just playing for Stackhouse, it was a whole different world than what he expected. You know, he needed to, to he was asked to fit into a role um, on that team because that's, you know, Stackhouse was preparing him for the role that he would have if he did get up to the big club. And, you know, he just kind of taught him how to play the right way. Not that Van Vliet didn't already know how to do that, but, you know, it was, it was the toughness that he kind of, I think, learned from Stackhouse uh, or was reminded of is like that's what's going to you know help you get to the next level, um, and Neesmith, I mean he he thinks he's the best shooter in the entire draft. He was asked that in an interview with the Charlotte Hornets, and he said no question, you know. But he's a really humble kid at the same time, so I think he's got a good balance of of confidence and humble. And uh, I think he's a team player. He's going to fit in with the Celtics right away. If Romeo Langford isn't back right away when the season starts, and we don't have Semi Ojale hopefully crossing my fingers. I think Neesmith is going to be able to come in right away off the bench and, and hit some threes for us. And, and we're going to like him right away. And I think he'll be fine on defense. Josh, you mentioned uh, the toughness of Jerry Stackhouse, who, who was like one of the guys in the league that you did not mess with. Uh, but how, so I, I love the idea that coaching Neesmith for a year, that that toughness would rub off. How, like, is that really a thing? Like, my thought is either Neesmith is tough or he's not, but is it really going to rub off like that just because he's got a coach for a year that instills a few things? Like, what does that really look like? I think it doesn't rub off as much as it is like revealed if you're not tough. If you're not tough, if you're a soft player and you got a hard nosed coach, it's coming out right away, and it's going to impact your playing time potentially. You know, obviously, maybe not when you're shooting over fifty percent from three, but you know, I think that comes out like tough coaches don't like coaching soft guys. And so you kind of have to be tough to play and, and you, you know, you're always going to adapt to your coach's mentality as a, as a team and as a player, like you, that's who you follow. There's only one voice that's sometimes in the room and everyone's following that voice. So you, I think you adapt a little bit to their mentality. I don't know if it rubs off all the way, but if you're, cause if you're soft, it doesn't. So, you know, 
the strong survive in that environment. And obviously, Neesmith was strong enough. Other fun fact about Neesmith, his brother, uh, if I understand correctly, currently goes to Harvard. Uh, so the little reuniting there happening for the Neesmith family. Oh, nice. Um, so Neesmith and, definitely And fell. Neesmith, you, you saw the reaction he had, right? What do you want to describe the reaction he had? Uh, he cried, as it seemed like half the players did, which yeah. is great. I love that emotional intelligence. Um, but uh, he was also wearing a green checkered suit that was, I think, like very looked very similar to what Paul Pierce wore at his retirement ceremony with the Celtics. Oh, you think he got Paul's suit from him? I mean, it's not the exact same <laughs> suit, but it's just like parquet checkered green thing. Uh, so listen, uh, Neesmith was, uh, did you, did you have a thought about that, Josh? No. Oh, okay. Uh, so he, he definitely fell. Uh, a guy that did not fall is Peyton Pritchard, who got a resounding who, what on the Celtics slack when he was picked. Uh, that definitely felt like a reach for Danny Ainge. Here's a, a quick scouting report on Pritchard. So he's the, uh, four year senior, uh, point guard uh, at Oregon. Um, he, is a hyper-competitive guy, deep, deep three-point range with a beautiful shot. He can really handle the ball. Uh, he can pass well as, as well. He's like a prototypical point guard on offense. 6'1", 6'2", 6'4 wingspan. Uh, not very athletic. Limited uh, uh, lateral quickness, but also burst, uh, which he makes up for with his handle. Um, he, he is like solidly built enough that people say he can kind of hold his own a little bit on defense, but I think his, he's going to get burned on defense. Um, and I think he's going to struggle to defend NBA athletes, but he, he, he shows some promise on offense. It's just seemed like a reach. I mean, his a lot Literally, of nothing you just said about him. Got me excited. Um, I'm trying to Josh, trying. Josh, can you, Give can you try to rationalize why the Celtics would have taken Pritchard over Bain or Tyrell Terry? Yeah, I really wanted Desmond Bain. I really wanted Tyrell Terry. I really wanted Vernon Carey. Even so, the um, answer is no. You cannot Vernon rationalize Perry. it. The, the only way that I can <laughs> rationalize it is that it's somehow a favor. Uh, I don't know what we're trying to do to help out the Oregon Ducks, um, or I'm not sure who Bain Pritchard's agent is. I don't know if one of you want to look that up real quick, but. I could see that being a favor for an agent kind of a thing. Um, solid citizen, you know, only the fourth player ever to, to lead the Pac-12 in points and assists. You know, three-year starter. He won four straight state championships as a high school player. You know, so he's got this, I guess, winning pedigree, even though the Oregon Ducks didn't, you know, win any national championships. Um, and I think, you know, being sturdy, being 6'1", 6'2", 195, I mean, that's that's similar to a Fred Van Bleet. That's similar to a Kyle Lowry in terms of that build. You know, so you're not dealing with... like the Isn't current... that, That's like 20 pounds lighter than them, right? Like, Van Bleet's got to be like 220. Like, that dude is he's Not sturdy. coming out of college. No, he's not 220. He's, he's like 5'11", 200, maybe 195. That's a, a stocky, sturdy build for, for a 6'1", 6'2", player. Um, and, you know, the comps... We had uh, Celtics blog draft guru Adam Spinella had the comp of Aaron Kraft with a jumper, which yeah, still has me laughing. Who's Aaron Kraft? He's the, the white guard from Ohio State who's super active, diving on the floor all over the place. Adam, maybe a better comp would be um, someone else in the Celtics blog Slack mentioned Matthew Della Vadova. 
you know, just a tough, hard nosed, crafty point guard, you know, but this guy, can right, really if you're telling it. me we got Della Vadova, now I'm in. Yeah. I'm, I'm here. I'm here for Delhi. I was joking on the Slack that he, he reminded me of Billy Hoyle from White Men Can't Jump, which is, you know, not who you're looking for for in the NBA here. Uh, the, my issue with, with Peyton Pritchard is he's a four-year senior. He's 22 years old. Like, his ceiling is, is not that high. He's not going to improve a ton. If he, doesn't, uh, if he doesn't make it this year, like, I, I just don't see him getting a whole lot better as, as – we move along here. It's he's, no, he doesn't plus, have the profile of somebody who's this athletic freak that learns skills and is able to build on that. Uh, I think he is what he is. Plus we took Carson Edwards and Tremont waters. Like we've got kind of undersized guards. One of whom is known for his shooting. The other one is a dynamic playmaker. Like I just don't, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I probably was currying favor or, you know, based on whoever the agent was, um, that makes far more sense to me. And it was maybe even governed by like, this guy's not going to need a lucrative second contract. Like who knows, or we can get sign him to a favorable deal below like the 120% um, kind of, of the, of the rookie scale that is normally automatic. Like who, who yeah. knows? I know I was thinking maybe they, they could stash him in the G league or something like that, but like, he's not going to go on a two way contract. He's got a, a guarantee here. Apparently there was, uh, a promise to him from a team in the first round. Maybe that was us, uh, but I, I'm still not clear on why that would happen. Uh, Josh, his agent is Greg Lawrence. Do you know him? No, I don't. What what well, agency? Does it say? I don't know. Um, but I mean, the guys that that were left. I mean, Tyrell Terry. How does he not? Desmond Bain. How, yeah. how do we not decide that we want those guys? I don't get that. Even with the roster crunch, you know, because we're obviously picking for us at this point, at the time of this recording, um, and we obviously have a roster crunch. But we can sign our guys after we deal with the roster crunch. We don't need to sign these draft picks today. It's confusing. Um, what do you guys think about trading the thirtieth pick to Memphis with Vincent Poirier for a future pick? I, I mean, I wanted to know what you think. It, uh... You, you you've lost French Favarani. Are I'm so you, happy are you, about Are it. you going to be okay? <laughs> I mean, we decided not to talk at all about this ridiculous interview he did, and then where that he then backtracked on last week, where he was saying he was upset about his role and things like that. I mean, we need the roster spot. It's two and a half million. That doesn't make sense to spend on on somebody who doesn't play. He clearly showed that he didn't have game for the NBA. Uh, so I think he'll spend a year in Memphis and, uh, then he'll go back overseas and, uh, I'm happy about it. I mean, like I, I'm really trashing the guy, but I just, there was no path towards playing time on this team and we are desperate for bigs and he is a legit big. So if that's the case, then, you know, there's a problem. So do you guys see us still having a hole at the backup point guard position or do you think Tremont Waters or Peyton Pritchard can come in and play? And take over Wanamaker's minutes and be ready. TBD. I don't know. We got to see. I, I, if you, I mean, if we found out in thirty minutes that all both of those players we drafted are getting traded, it wouldn't shock me. Yeah, this is so insane. This offseason, I have no idea what what to expect. And so, yeah, going going full circle back to Mike's original comment on the pod today, you know, a lot of these trades happen after the draft. They don't happen during you know while the teams are making picks. Always. 
you know, so there's still a lot of time for future trades. Uh, and as we've seen in the last few days, things are happening at all hours. Yeah. Well, speaking of trades ha that have happened during the draft, while we've been recording, um, Philadelphia made its second trade of the day. Uh, they traded Al Horford earlier to Oklahoma City for um, some draft picks and uh, Danny Green. Um, they just traded Daryl Morey, making his second big move, traded Josh Richardson to the Dallas Mavericks. Oh. Um, and the number 36 pick for Seth Curry. So oh. all of a sudden, uh, Philadelphia has surrounded Joel, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons with Danny Green and Seth Curry. Uh, and Matisse Teibel is still there. Tobias Harris is still there. Uh, I mean, I'm sure Maury is not done, but but that team is making a lot more sense very quickly under Maury's watch. And they still have they still have Tyrese Maxey, who they drafted. They right? still have Tyrese Maxey. Yeah, that was a curious pick for or me. Ty, no, not wait. Oh, they drafted Maxey, and they yeah yeah they drafted Maxey. Sorry. Yeah. Yes. That was a curious pick for me because he can't shoot. And so it's like where they need shooting. How are they not going to have any shooting? So the this is making a lot more sense now. I mean. It, it's really obvious why Philadelphia made that deal. You guys know the reason, right? Yeah, James Harden's coming? Is that what you're saying? No, you have to reunite Doc Rivers with his son-in-law, Seth Curry. Oh, that's right. Seth is married to Doc's daughter. And we know that Doc trades for his son. And oh, my God. His sons, right? <laughs> you're right. I mean, Josh Richardson, I'm, I, that's, that's not much to get back for Josh Richardson. Yeah, but you were paying him more than he deserved, I think, too. And he proved that he couldn't be the lead guy or least lead facilitator or even lead the shooting guard yeah. in the playoffs. Anyway, yeah, so who knows what's going to happen. The Celtics team could totally be reconfigured in the next 24 hours. I mean, in what's it going to be, uh, 18 hours? Where it will Hayward's deadline comes up, so... Um, we'll see then <laughs> whether Hayward is still on the Celtics or whether there's been some weird uh, two-team or three-team trade or if he's just walked away and is signing somewhere else. Here's Aaron Nesmith, Nesmith, excuse me, talking about his potential fit on the Celtics before the draft. Uh, he said, I'm an absolute sniper, a guy who's going to make life easier for the creators of the offense like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker, a guy that's always going to be there, work hard, earn his stripes, and do it on both sides of the floor. I want to be great. I want to be the best player I can be, so that includes defense. I'm going to give my all and best effort that I have on on that side of the of the floor, and with my size, length, and athleticism, be able to guard multiple positions. I think the the the, the saving grace we have for the lack of uh, a huge move so far this offseason on a night like tonight is I think Aaron Neesmith is a solid, solid pick. I, I'm, I'm pretty happy with this. We're lucky to get him at, at the spot we were picking. I, I think that he could have easily gone higher. You know, maybe it was the foot injury that, that made him drop a little bit. Maybe it's the lack of lateral quickness. You know, he's not, he's a little bit, I would say like uh, uh, the guy from, from the Spurs, uh, Anderson, uh, the six eight guy, Kyle Ka Anderson. Yeah, Cuomo? laterally, you know, just in terms of defensively, laterally, like he's got a little bit of that in him. When he's, you know, when he's sprinting, he's moving a little slower than other guys. It looks like, you know, it takes him a second to get going a little bit. He's not like a gifted, like smooth, like gazelle type athlete. 
you know um he's almost like he's a he's in a power forwards body a little bit um but but can move like a wing but it is a little stiff you know so i think that that's the drawback of of neesmith and and maybe that's why he slipped a little bit in the draft but i mean i think he could have easily gone 9 10 11 ahead of some other guys just based on how he's going to help the offense off the bench you know right away and that's something the Celtics really need. Obviously, we talk a lot on this podcast about the holes that we have at center and backup point guard. But, you know, just bench scoring in general is something we need. And having a guy who's going to knock down all the wide open shots, it's just, it's, he's right. It's going to make things easier. We still have the 47th pick yet to be picked. Uh, it's about 10 picks away as we're, and there's some decent players available. Any, any names that jump out as ones you really hope the Celtics get at that pick? There's guys like Robert Woodard the third or second, Nico Mannion, Cassius Winston, Trey Jones, Jamias Ramsey, Reggie Perry, uh, Grant Riller, uh, Isaiah Joe, who I know that uh, Adam Spinella says is might be the best shooter in the draft. Um, guys like that still still available. And Killian the guy Tilly. from Michigan State. Oh, and Killian Tilly, yeah. Yeah, I could see us taking Killian Tilly. He's a guy uh, from Gonzaga, a big man who can shoot it, uh, kind of a finesse player. Um, some pretty significant injury issues earlier in his career. And that's why he's like a lottery talent, which is why he's projected in the second round. It's because of those injuries. So they could take a flyer on him. All right. Any final thoughts? Um, there's, there's some rumors that this trade, um, that our 30th pick was traded to uh, the Grizzlies, that that's actually potentially in exchange for our future Utah first round pick. And involves Vincent Poirier, uh, which we already talked about. But it's still unclear whether that's going to be a Grizzlies pick or a Utah pick, or, or, or you know, we're still working through the details on that. Or, or a first or second rounder. I, okay, I think there's a lot of uncertainty there. But so stay tuned for that. Um, and then also coming up on the next podcast that you'll see in the Celtics blog podcast feed is going to be, I believe, a, a roundtable uh, staff draft reaction pod on Celtics pod. So that'll be a good one where you'll get some multiple voices, multiple reactions a day after the draft. Once we've actually let it soak in and and gotten some clarity and maybe some trades and that would make my happy. The script has not been written yet. There, there are more dominoes to fall here. I have a feeling. So stay tuned. Thanks for listening, everyone.